Welcome to What Is It All For, a podcast designed to help you grow your online business and pursue a spacious, satisfying life at the same time. We're your hosts, Jason and Caroline Zook, and we run Wandering Aimfully, an unboring business coaching program. Every week, we bring you advice and conversations to return you to your most intentional self and to help you examine every aspect of your life and business by asking, what is it all for? Thanks for listening, and now let's get into the show. And I'm here too. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of What Is It All For? What are we talking about this week, Jason? We are talking about a oh, very <laughs> important topic. Wait, I forgot to get no, into the no, preamble. No, I got it. That's, I'm here for it. This you, is why you have a co-host. This is why you... Here is the uh, marital dispute of the month, <laughs> which may not be any more interesting. Yeah. Okay. When we started dating... Yes. I invited you to have a sleepover at my house. <laughs> and Don't I worry. Said, this isn't going to go into a weird place. I said, hey, miss, would you like to sleep over at my house? I have a large bed. And you can have your side of it, and I'll be on my side. Yeah. But I have one rule. Yeah. Keep your hands to yourself. Now, I have two <laughs> rules. Second rule, I don't use a top sheet. That's right. And what did I do? I said, marry me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. said, what? You said, let's I... go to Zales right now. Right now. We have I'm to go gonna to Zales. I'm going to buy you a Pandora he went bracelet. To Zales. I'm going to buy you the best Pandora <laughs> bracelet I can buy that's under 60 bucks. And you are going to be said, mine. I said, what? I also hate top sheets. Yeah. Also, Thank you for inviting me to this sleepover. Yes. And stay to your side of the bed. Movies, popcorn. Movies, popcorn, braiding each other's hair, face masks. Let's quickly, for those uh, who may not be in the U.S. where a top sheet is something where like that's Sure, 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 sure. Let's go over just the anatomy of a bed real quick. An American bed. Real quick. An American bed. Welcome to our podcast. An American bed. (laughs) 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 What? What happens when a mattress gets slept on? Why is this making me giggle? <laughs> yeah. It's like an American tale, like uh, Five Goes West or oh, whatever. Oh, no. I was thinking like a, like a, an American crime story. Oh, like something an American like that. crime like, story. An American bed. Which mattress is the most comfortable okay, or so not? Okay. Here's, mo- the, here's the rundown. Most American beds. You got a mattress. Sure. Let's not even go. We're not going to go beneath the mattress. We're going to go above, above the mattress. It. On top of the mattress, you have everyone's least favorite item in their house ever. A fitted sheet. A fitted sheet. It's got the elastics. Yep. It it's takes just... seven people to put it on. It takes 19 people to fold it's it up properly. Just the just barely large enough. To fit. To fit, which means that if you're trying to put it on a bed by yourself, you're, it's just elastic anyway, in the face. You got the fitted sheet. Then, then on top of that, for the majority of beds, you, you have, have the top, the top sheet. sheet. This is the one that's just like loosey-goosey, flops around, and it's just basically the same as a fitted sheet, but it's not a jerk. It's not fitted. It just is loose. Okay? Yeah, and it can be very restrictive to your feet if yeah. you tuck it in like a hotel bed. Then if you want, you have an optional like blanket or yeah. some item. My, that's how my mom used to make our bed yeah. growing up was like a blanket layer. Yeah. So you have that. Then you usually have your comforter, comforter which is typically wrapped in a duvet cover. Sure. So the duvet, the comforter slips in. I just want to give you the anatomy of a bed so that everyone's it's on the same page. an American bed. This is an American bed. When I invited you to the sleepover, yeah. my bed was mattress, fitted sheet, comforter inside of a duvet. Boom. That's that was it. it. And what did I say? Take me to Zales. Marry me. Right now. I because I to stay here more often. What, did not like a top sheet. You're not a top sheet not gal. Not a top sheet gal. Yeah. I love the looseness. I want maximum flexibility. I want my yeah. limbs to be able to, like, Don't tie do, me I need, down. do I need to put top one sheet. leg out of the comforter so that it gets, like, 
we are both temperature regulators, yeah. and it's like we need to be able to regulate. You know what's interesting this about this? Also, though. I don't like it. This is also a pet peeve. I don't like it when something is so tight to the bottom, so that my feet bend. <laughs> yeah, like bend our feet. bended feet uh, when I sleep. I don't like that. On bended feet. You, what's interesting, you're a, a hot person like I am when you sleep. Yeah. But you like to get outside the covers. No matter my temperature, you're I don't want to leave the covers. Really? Yeah, it's like a protection thing, I think. I got to like <laughs> stay is. in there. Like if my feet are yeah. out, you I'm feel getting slaughtered. Exposed. No, I'm getting slaughtered. You're slaughtered. You're yeah. getting, someone's coming for you. nine. They're coming in. You don't in, even know what that is. And they're like, oh, an American mattress. And then, boom, they chop my feet it's off. It's an American bed, first of all, is our docuseries. Second mm, of all, call. yeah, you think that the... That's ro- my... You think robbers, because that's yeah. what I call them, robbers, yeah. have like a an alarm system that's like, ding, 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 somebody's yeah. out of the sheets. Oh, like, we got a foot vulnerable. out. Let's go chop their foot off. That's really gross. Sorry. Uh, anyway. You've been watching too much Walking Dead, I'll be honest. Yes. So this this was the thing in our relationship for many years. Where, we were on I the thought, same page. I thought we were soulmates because yeah. of this top sheet thing. We were on the same page yeah then recently as the person who washes our bedding i just decided that we have this top sheet and i just started using it again as, as now, a thing I, can you pinpoint why can you tell me why man to be 100 percent honest with you it's because we went from a somewhat darker color not even dark but just non-white color to duvet, a white duvet to a white duvet and you want to protect it from your skin and my oils, oils and you know that's gross you have like small things that just like get on it and i just don't want the white duvet to get gross so i was like top sheet will protect it from that that's its entire job not really for my comfort and i was gonna let your side i was gonna let you oil it up if you wanted to oil up your side that's fine but my side i'm a little bit more oily and i just i just didn't want it to happen and then i just kind of got used to it as you do and all of a sudden i was now a top sheet person but what you know has when, happened? When someone okay, I'll tell you the journey that I went on. First of all, <laughs> this is such a ridiculous first thing of all, we're doing. Somebody inside your marriage just deciding that they're going to become a different person. <laughs> you know, that's grounds for some yeah. pretty catastrophic. You know things. how some relationships break up because it's like, hey, hey, I, uh, I'm switching political parties. Yeah, and you're, and like, you're like, whoa, whoa that's a big that's problem. Totally, you're different for person. us. It's kind of similar. It's like you went with a top sheet, and I'm yeah. like, oh, um, should that's I give, your... should I give my Pandora bracelet back? Yeah, <laughs> I mean. No. So anyway, but. for many months now, you've converted to top sheet terrorism. Top sheetery. Top sheetery. Is what we call it. Yeah. In the you, top you, sheetery. You converted. Guild. And I have been really angry about it <laughs> because what happens is, many of you will know this. Uh, our, when you're doing sleepovers. If you've seen our day in the life, you will know, day in life video on YouTube, you will know Jason goes to bed before me about 30 to minutes to an hour before me. I come in. And so what happens is, especially on the days where he makes the bed, we wash the sheets, he makes the bed. I come into the bed and I slip in and this top sheet is yeah. on my side and it's on my side and tucked in. Well, it's and not I tucked to, in. No, no, it's not Jason, tucked in. No, is. no, it's not tucked you in. You tuck it. No, I do not. I am not a tucker. You you cannot say this. Okay, well, I that refuse. Makes, let the jury fine. know. No, I would let strike that from the jury's memory. Okay, the jury will strike that from their record. Yeah. But... It's still restricted. It's there. And so what I have to do is I have to slip in and then I have to like. Yeah, you got to like move it. Maneuver it. Maneuver it to the middle. Okay. And it's really bothersome. Okay. What has changed? I'll tell you what has changed. Yeah. I've been really griping about this for many months. Yeah. However, probably about two weeks ago. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know what mood I was in. <laughs> I don't know what was in the air. Maybe yeah. it's the changing of the seasons. Okay. I was in the mood for something cozier. It's uh-huh. getting a little bit of a fall chill in the air. I, this means I turned the air conditioning down you too far. You turned it down too yeah. far. I slip in mm-hmm. and 
the sheet, the top sheet is there, and it and it gives me this like cool slippery uh-huh. sensation, mm. like you know sheet how sheet feels on your body. It's like yeah, a duvet is more like. Okay. And the top, she's like, <laughs> okay. And so it was just like silkily touching my skin, yes, and making me feel protected from the robbers, right? And slaughterhouse kind of, rules. And, and it brought me back to this moment of when my mom used to make my bed. Mm. Like, listen, we had to make our own beds, but every once in a while, I'd go off for the weekend to like a friend's house, and I'd come back on a Sunday night get, and almost ready for school the next day, and she would have made my bed. And so that night, I would slip into my fresh mm-hmm, sheets, mm-hmm. and it would be like, yeah. And so it brought me back to that moment, and I was like. I think I like this. Wow. I don't know. What a journey we've been on. I'm not ready to convert to your I think top you, sheetery, yeah, but I, I'm not as against it as I, think I once was. I you're a top was. sheeterist. I think you are. Okay, I have three questions for our uh, 10 listeners. This is such a long preamble. It, no, no, it's normal time. It's okay, normal time. Okay, okay, okay. I have three questions sure, for sure, our sure. listeners. A, are you a top sheeter? Are you yes a top sheeter? Yes or no? Need to know. Yeah, right. B, how often do you wash your bedding? Be honest. Because I think most people would We're be like... We're not going to shame you for being gross. No, no, no. I just am curious. If someone's like once a month, once every three months, once every nine months, I haven't washed it since I bought it. You know, I went to Bed <laughs> right. Bath & Beyond and like they said, this is good yeah. to go. I won't tell you how many times I've washed my sheets in college. Not enough. Not many. Not enough. Not many. Tell you that. Mine were crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crunchy is the right word for they that. They were crunchy. Uh, so first question... Are you a top sheeter? Second question. How often? How often? Third question. Yeah. Do your feet have to stay tucked under everything all Jesus night long? Christ. Or can your feet peek out like Caroline? So I'd be curious to know. Again, I use my feet as a thermoregulating device. Yeah. It's like your feathers if you were it's a like bird. It's like my feathers. Yeah. My feet feathers. Your feet are your feathers. Let's move into this episode. We actually have a lot we want to cover in I this know. episode. And this and it is a very knowledge packed, so we kind of led you astray by thinking it was just a Well, no, not really. I think that's how we warm up their brains. Oh, sure. Because sure. if they just dipped in and they're like, "Whoa, we're getting into Whoa. all the details." Their brains would be like, "What? Hold on." But instead, we're like, "Hey, brain, here's like a little like nibble, like Fun a little stuff. appetizer, a moose-bouche." A moose-bouche. If you will. So the first 10 minutes, a moose-bouche. Now, main course. We're skipping appetizers. We're getting right into Don't it. Don't forget to subscribe to our second podcast in American Bed. And then I have the prequel podcast coming out, which is an American mattress, where I tell the story <laughs> of just right. the mattress. You're doing, we're doing the whole no, no, bed. No, no, but that only comes out after an American bed, where we've gotten them hooked on the character exactly. of the mattress. Then they need to learn. Then the they story need to see the backstory. What's the, the origin story? What's inside of it? Is it is it springs? What's it made of? Is it foam? Down feathers? Are you Does kidding it me? Have some type of memory Animal cruelty? to it? Where did it come from? How long will it last? Do you have to flip it? There's so many things we could discuss. Full episodes. Let's do it. You ready? No. You gonna take a little sip of your your drink? This episode brought to you by Unknown Beverage. If we had, or, a, if we actually had a, a sponsor, I would want it to be Spindrift. Great, I can email them and ask them for money. They gave Kristen Bell a bunch of money. Maybe they can give us some. Oh, should we tell them we're friends of Kristen Bell? Do you think they believe us? No, I'll tell them the stat that'll quickly make them decide. Ten listeners. Ten listeners. Dedicated to. We had nine, and, and we and literally then we got one. What's it? Ooh, percentage growth. Ten percent growth. percent year month over month. Hundred percent growth. No. Okay. Let's get into it. What do you want to talk about? In today's episode, we are going to talk to you about the key shifts that we made at each stage of growth in our business. Now, full disclosure, the content that we are delivering to you from this episode came out of a newsletter series idea that we had. Um, And we called the series Grow It Gradually. Butterfly emoji. With a butterfly. If you're on our email list, that makes sense. (laughs) The idea was, it was born out of this idea that you need 
different tactics at different stages of growing your business. And we don't like to do things around revenue levels because one of our values in the Wayne culture is just like no matter what revenue how much revenue your business makes like we're all on the same level yeah. we all have different financial goals we all what have with your mic there? it's there just kind of drifting but we'll pull the little we cord up different so financial open. goals and we do not subscribe to the idea that all businesses should aspire to six figures or seven figures or this arbitrary number yeah however Revenue is, of course, a good metric of the growth of your business. If more people are finding it, if more people are buying. And it's also something where most people can't pay their bills on $500 a month of their business. Exactly. Like there's a reality of, hey, my business needs to make $1,500 or $3,000, right. what we call your minimum monthly magic number, your, your number. number. Um, it's delicious. Only you know what that is. And so to get your business to that level, you know, we wanted to provide some specific tips yep. along the way. So we, in this episode, we, in case you didn't get a chance to read that newsletter or like, you know, many people do now, you just kind of archive stuff yeah. and you move along. It was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. We got a lot of really good feedback, so we thought we'd turn it into a podcast episode so that you can digest it in this format. Just have some commentary, a little bit of commentary. And get a little bit more context. So we are going to walk you through, let me just give them the overview of the stages. We're going to take you through three tips for each stage. So stage number one is $0 in revenue to $500 a month. Yep. Stage number two is $500 a month to $1,500 a month. Mm -hmm. Stage three is $1,500 a month to $3,000 a month. Stage four is $3,000 a month to $5,000 a month. Stage five is 5,000 to 10,000, and stage six is 10,000 and above. Yeah. And the entire idea here is not to say that one stage is better than the other. Again, we're going to reiterate that. But also just to remind you that where you are on your journey and where you want to go with your goals is perfectly enough. Yes. So you don't need to aspire to, if you're at $500 a month now and you're seeing $10,000 a month, you don't need to do that. You don't. Getting to 1500 may be perfect for you in your situation, and that is good enough. Absolutely. In fact, I think a lot of people kind of count themselves out before they even begin because they are at $500 a month, and they think they try to go for the well, 10000 Yeah, that was the thing I kept writing because I write the first draft of all of these emails after we kind of go through them. And I just kept writing on like almost every single email. Like, you're not going to go from 0, 500, 1500, 3000, maybe 5000 to 10,000. Yeah. You're not going to make that leap. No one makes that leap. Yep. So that to me is just such an important caveat to yes. remember. So let's get into here because we, we do have a lot of tips we want to go over and uh, you know, this could be a longer, longer sure, episode. Sure, sure. So diving right into it. Stage number one, you're starting from scratch. You, your business is making $0 and you're trying to get to $500 a month. What do you do? Tip number one. I know what you do. What do you do? You sell mattresses. Okay. okay. Tip number one, be clear about what you do and who you do it for ps you need a website yeah so do you want to back up one second because sure. i think it's even important to say what type of business are, are we starting exactly here? yeah so you really want to decide you know a great exercise that we take people through all the time is the four cues and i just think this is the simplest way to define what your business foundation is and the cues are questions and so the questions are who as in your audience who is your business for who are you trying to help the next cue is the why. So what is the mission behind your business? Why did you want to start in the first place? You know, what's the bigger vision for why you're helping these people? The what, as in what benefit does your business bring them? What outcome are you getting for people? What transformation are you taking them through? And then the the how is the last cue. And that's how are you delivering that benefit? Is it online courses? Is it a podcast? Is it a services, web design packages, well, and I think templates. That's, what's important here is that what we said, and this is how we started our online businesses, was we started with a 
client-based business. I definitely think that when you're starting out, taking a skill that you have and doing and turning it into a client service business is a fantastic place to start. And it's because if you're starting from scratch, you don't have an audience yet. And it's very hard to make product income, meaning online courses or or sell digital products without an audience. So if you need cash flow, trying to come up with client services is going to be the best way for you to get your revenue off the ground while you have the vision for an audience down the road. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest fallacies at this stage of getting started is someone might say, oh, well, but I've created an Instagram account and I have 400 followers and I have my Facebook page with which I have like a thousand friends. And like, I do have an audience. Like I have people who will buy an online course from me. And the answer is, okay, yes, maybe, but what percentage of those people, especially on social media, are actually going to A, see you promoting whatever thing you're making, then B, buy? Like for us, I think social media converts at like less than 1% right. or something like that. So like if you just take those numbers and you say, okay, I have 1,500 people, less than 1%, we're talking about 15 people. So you you can't, you're, it's going to be really, really, really hard to make $500 consistently a month when your social media metrics aren't growing fast enough that... If you just get 15 people to buy, that that's it. Like you're tapped out. Next month you have no one to buy from you. Whereas yep. if you have a client where you're let's say you're doing Squarespace web design, you have a client that you could charge $500 to get a website up and going. Now next month you only need one client to make that $500. Like yeah. it's it's much easier to only get one person at a certain amount of money when you're doing client service stuff than to try and start out with a product where we have seen so many times in Wandering Fleet, so many times People are like, yeah, I started, I launched a course and like, you know, no one bought it. And then I totally gave up on online business. And it's like, yeah, because you started on hard mode. Like you went the hard mode first, as opposed to starting with easy mode, which is just go get one client, get one person to pay you for a skill set that you have. That'll get you going. Not to mention the best online courses are born out of people who did one-to-one services because they saw what those problems were over and over and over again, and then they wanted to scale that into a course. And they created unique processes to work with their clients that they could teach other people that were valuable. This is why when someone says, oh, I wanna make a branding course, you know, and like, oh, there's, you know, so many branding courses out there. Yes, but your unique processes through the branding way of, you know, creating a brand, that is unique to you. So that is why someone would buy from you. Yep. Anyway, so let's, we're not gonna spend this much time on every tip, but it's good to set the stage here. Absolutely, so we would recommend taking a skill or a strength or an area of expertise that you have, deciding how you can help clients through that. Maybe you just straight up charge $500 for whatever that yeah. package is because you're trying to get to this zero to $500 a month. And you put up a simple website that very clearly defines who you're for and what you're doing for them. Yep. So that's the first step is just get clear. And I'm telling yep. you, you would be amazed at how many people are just like, I have a business and what they have is the name of the business. Yep. It doesn't actually have what they, who they serve and what they do. So yep. number two is more of a mindset tip. And this is start before you're ready and courageously practice putting yourself out there. Yep. When you're at the beginning, you're going to have the most self-doubt, right? You're going to be like, you're going to have all these imposter thoughts of who am I to offer this service? Why would someone pay me? But the thing I want you to remember is you, it's the classic chicken and the egg thing of like, you need experience to get experience. And so just remember, you have to start somewhere. And in order to get past those feelings of being an imposter and to feel like you are experienced, you have to get experience. I remember the first person who ever 
um, I charged for design services. They paid me to design Etsy decals. They were selling these like decals. I didn't know design programs. I, they, they, I just did some stuff on Instagram and they thought I could do it. And I just said, sure. And I taught myself and I charged money for it and I felt like an imposter, but I did it anyway. She was happy with the result. And that's the only way that you can build experience. So continue to put yourself out there even if you don't feel like you're ready. The only way you're going to ever feel ready is if you get that experience under your belt. For sure. And I remember when I had my tiny design company of two people and we were trying to figure out like, you know, what's our niche? What are we going to do? And we found out designing MySpace pages at that time because this was 2006. Mm Mm-hmm. It was a good option for us. Like it wasn't our favorite thing to do, but it was actually much easier to get clients in that way. So that's also another thing is like, you may not want to take on some like, oh, I, you know, redesign people's Squarespace sites or whatever, because you're like, you know, I don't want to get stuck and trapped into that. But that's just like the The gateway into like moving forward into your next thing. Yes. And if we could give you any advice that we wish we had done right out of the gate, or at least I wish I had done this under Made Vibrant start more specific absolutely because it will get you going faster people will go oh she's the squarespace website girl instead of oh she's the designer which no one think is just too broad go more specific than you think it will not limit you you can always pivot you can always broaden yeah um and and then the third tip for getting started at this this entry level is create a buzzworthy launch event so this is a super tactical tip yeah but here's the thing so many people they're starting out like i said they have the most self-doubt and so they do it very quietly very they're like oh i'm starting a business or like oh i just have this like side thing or you're not confident yet in talking about it but you're missing such an opportunity because any opportunity that you have in your business to make something what what i call quote unquote newsworthy this is like pr speak but any event that's happening in your business this is why people share like milestones or hey it's my i just saw on instagram it's our six year anniversary of our business the reason people share about that is because it's quote unquote newsworthy it gives you an opportunity to talk about your business and you person starting a business that's an opportunity to talk about your business so what i want you to do is circle a date on your calendar i want you to call that your launch day i want you to share on instagram share on social media share via email with a couple of people who you feel like you trust and it's not going to feel spammy if you say hey heads up like I did start this business if you know anyone who needs xyz service please pass this along don't try to get the sale right then just say hey can you pass this along create some buzz some buzz and it's going to feel uncomfortable because you're you don't feel like you're ready but we want to challenge you to do this because you don't want this moment to pass you by where you can use the beginning of your journey as an opportunity to talk about your business. Yeah, and I think so often when you're in the like whisper stages of your business, you're like, I don't want anybody to find out that I'm doing this. I want this so badly, but I don't want to tell anyone about it. What you're doing is you're counting yourself out before giving anyone else a chance to count you in. Yeah. And that's such an important thing to realize is, yes, it's going to feel uncomfortable. Yes, you don't necessarily want to be the star of the show and have everybody looking at you, but don't you also want to make money with your business? Like there's Mm -hmm. just a reality to having to put yourself out there a little bit. And when we say, you know, create like a buzzworthy launch event, that doesn't mean that you need to do something insane or like wild or whatever that feels uncomfortable to you. It just means doing something where you are promoting and you are getting people to know that you exist and you are continuing to show up in front of people so they can go, oh, 
Caroline has this business where she's designing Squarespace sites. Like, yeah, I, I now know that exists. I don't need her help right now, but it's now in my brain. I know right. that she she did this announcement thing. She yep. like hopped on Instagram Live and I just like watched her and cheered her on and she showed her desk setup that she's like getting ready to start, you know, working with clients and, and it was really cute. Like it was fun to watch. And those things go a long way and you might count yourself out of doing it because you feel like, oh, only 10 people are gonna watch. But when you're doing client service stuff in the beginning, 10 people is enough people probably if you can get them as clients to run your business for an entire year. Yeah. Can I tell you a quick story that just reminded me that back when I was starting Made Vibrant as a design studio, I think this might have even been, no, I think it was Made Vibrant. Um, I shared about it because I was like, hey, I started this business and here's the name of it. And I was all excited. And my friend from college happened to see on Facebook that I shared about it. She recommended my name to a small startup of a friend that she knew. And that small startup was a company called Yellow Leaf Hammocks. Mm -hmm. And they paid me my first big branding project to completely redesign their branding. And it is the brand identity that they use to this day yeah. with, you know, d different updates and different designers, but they use the core identity, the logo, the colors, colors yeah. the everything that I designed for them went on to go on Shark Tank, got a deal. Like they are a big company now and have seen so much success. And that all came from me sharing my new business, Made yeah. Vibrant on Facebook. Absolutely. And it was word of mouth. Now, do we get any royalty checks? We should. Do we? Basically, I was on Shark Tank. <laughs> Basically, you're, you're Mark Cuban? I'm Mark Cuban. I did not know this. I got that Cuban money. Okay. But anyway, that is just, you don't know the opportunities that can come from being confident and putting your work out there. Yeah. All right. Moving on. So let's say you did all that and whoa, you got a couple clients and now you have, you have one client project a month. You're making 500 bucks a month. Bam. You just yeah. went from $0 business to not $0 business. Yeah, there you go. Great job. <laughs> let's move on to the second level. What is going to get you from that 500 to $1,500 a month? So our first tip is from those first few clients that you get, can you look for patterns and identify a clear customer profile? So this tip is really, you're not going to exactly know who you're going for right at, at the beginning, but after you get a couple of clients on your belt, ask yourself, okay, now who am I actually, my skills best suited for, yeah. right? Like who do I really enjoy working with? And the reason that this is a powerful tip is because the more you can narrow in on your brand messaging to talk to that specific person, the better your sales are going to be trust me because that person's going to go oh they're for me they yeah. are a business who is directed at me yeah and and i'll tell a quick story again back in my design boutique the tiny design company of two people uh i remember just through a friend of a friend very similar to how you got the yellow leaf hammock thing um we had a guy who was creating a startup but they were their whole thing was we wanted to build a brand and a website and a, a presentation deck to get funding mm -hmm. so the business didn't exist they mm -hmm. were just doing it to get their a first pitch deck, pitch deck and, and funding and i was like oh that's really interesting and so we did the the whole brand we did the website and we did the pitch deck for them and then we were like hey if you know anybody else is doing this like oh yeah like i know a bunch of people who are in this space like i'll make a couple introductions we ended up doing three or four of those mm -hmm. and by the fourth one i think we charged for the first one like 1500 bucks like sure. it was just like a friend like it was way more work than 1500 dollars worth of work but by the fourth one i think we charged like eight to ten thousand dollars right and that was huge for us and it was because we started to realize like okay it takes x amount of hours you sure. know and also these companies do have money ahead of time not that we're trying to like get greedy and do that but just like our time was worth what we were putting in and we found this really interesting niche for a while of 
pre-startup, pre-funded companies that needed three things, a brand, a website, and a pitch deck. And then what happens is you become the go-to referral. We become known for that, yeah. Because the guy, you know, the guy who was your first client yeah. is like, oh, these guys That's know Brian. it. Brian, Brian, by the way. Brian's like, these guys know exactly what you need because yep. they just did it for me. And it's this very specific circumstance for a very specific target audience. Yeah, and we could have done that forever. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm sure we could have done that. And the reason we pivoted was because we wanted to get into other projects and other things. But it was such a great way to get our foot in the door was finding that that pattern. It was a pattern of one in the beginning, but we really liked it. And so we yeah. started asking you know, for those referrals, which I think is an upcoming tip here. Yeah, so actually the second tip is is piggybacking off the first one, which is what you're describing, which is develop a clear expertise. Yeah. And the thing I want, so that's what you're describing, is like your clear expertise is then pitch decks and pitch collateral. But I also want to take a moment to describe at this stage of your business, the early stages, you need to develop skills. Yes. You need to not only be spending time on looking for clients, but this is your scrappy time to do the work to figure out the skill that other people are going to pay you for. So it's like the reasons, let's just take the example. Let's say you're a Canva designer or whatever. Yeah. You're, you create Canva templates for people, for their social media assets, for their business. That person doesn't want to take the time to learn the ins and the outs potential of, client the potential client doesn't have the time to learn the ins and outs of every feature in canva and how they can use it to best create collateral for their business yep. but you have that time that's that's what they're going to pay you for so take the time to develop and cultivate your skills because every hour you pour into cultivating your skills becomes an hour that is billable down the road because you now have an expertise that someone is not going to do the work to figure out themselves and i think one of the best things you can do at, at this stage is to build your expertise around existing markets and platforms specifically. So like Canva, Squarespace, ShowIt, Flowdesk, ConvertKit, all these different apps and companies where there's an established market of people who want to use them. When you become a go-to expert in those things, it becomes so easy for you to go, hey, do you want me to set up your Flowdesk account, get your first email automation going, get your account built, get your email template set up? I can do that for 1500 bucks. You'll be fully set up. And that for a business owner who has an established business, but they're just looking to switch to different email client is such an easy win. But do you know what's not an easy win? Is when you go, I'm someone who designs digital planners. Let's take that as an example. Pay me to design your digital planners. And someone's like, well, I I don't like, I like designing my digital planner, so I don't know if I need to pay you to do it. Also, is there a way that you're doing Like it's just, it becomes very nebulous mm -hmm. as opposed to, I am an expert in this application. Right. And by expert, that's in big air quotes because it doesn't matter if you're accredited as an expert. It just means you've spent a lot of you've time. You've logged the hours. Knowing how to use that thing more than other people, especially people who are like, I don't even want to log into Canva. I just want someone to build all these assets for me. And if you do it through Canva, I've heard of Canva. That sounds awesome. I would love right. to do that. Yeah, no, that's a good tip is like if you and if you really want to get that expertise uh, going quickly, attaching yourself to uh, a software platform that you know there's demand for is a, a good strategy. Which also is such a great like you thinking ahead of I'm going to do client work, you know, using Canva and like help people like create social media graphics through Canva. But then once I have these processes and everything in place, then I'm going to create a course on how other people can learn how to use Canva. And sure. then that's when you get later on down the road of things we'll talk about. Yes. Granted, yes, there are some limitations to being attached to a platform. What happens yeah, if it goes away? Sure. What, yeah. You have to be up on, but you know, there's trade-offs with every business idea. So, and then the third tip for this stage is to start building an email list now. So this yes. is where we start getting into 
we talked about the foundation, but now is when you need to start thinking ahead of, I know at, eventually I'm going to want to scale to products. I need to start building my audience now. So yep. even though my business is just starting out and I don't have a lot of traffic to my website, I need to just at least start an email list. At the very least, you can promote it on your social media channels, get the occasional person who wants you know to support you, to stay updated. You have to start somewhere. So I would start building it now. Um, or you could even start it, start it with a wait list for your clients, right? And so that's your email list. Um, and you don't have to overthink like, oh, but I don't have, I don't want to start a newsletter. Send out, you know, a, a monthly, monthly up, yeah. a monthly update of what's going on in my business. Yeah. Like it doesn't, you don't have to overthink it in the beginning. You're going to grow that channel eventually. But the sooner you get it started, the, the like happier you're going to be down the road. Yeah, there, there is no replicating having a good quality email list that you have been nurturing for years in online business. Right. All these social media platforms come and go. All of the flash in the pan ideas that come along with them come and go. But what has not come and gone is email newsletters and email lists specifically. And and I think one of the things that I would I would definitely say here is I hear this a lot with our wanting gameplay members that I talk to directly they get really overwhelmed by what to put in a newsletter. Yeah. And I just try and tell them what would you like to receive around whatever your niche is? So let's just stay in the Canva zone real quick. What if it's just one new Canva feature or one new Canva tip you want to highlight? And again, once a month. And you just share it. That's it. That's the whole thing. And maybe like a little update about you and a little life thing so that people can stay connected to you. That's all you have to do. Like it doesn't have to be some crazy newsletter. And this is such a great example too of so often when people are getting started with something like an email newsletter, they compare their their starting line to someone else's 100%. finish line. So it's like someone looks at our newsletter and they're like, you guys write like 2,000 words. Okay. You have a whole series. It's you have branded. All these it's... Yeah. But six years ago or eight years ago, however long ago when we started newsletters, we didn't have that. No. We just literally wrote an update of what was going on and we hit send. That yep. was it. It was all it was. Yep. All right. So we're that's... Moving. We're moving on. That's going to get you to $1,500 a month. Great. So, I mean, not magically. You're well, going to do a lot of other stuff, but those are the key things. I think things. if you just do those things, just those three things. you get money. You just, that's, that's how, how business works. works. Let's yeah. move on to moving from $1,500 a month to $3,000 a month. Like, what do we think were the crucial things to get to that place? And the first one is you're probably going to be at this point where you need more clients. Like, yeah. you, you've kind of, okay, you know who your target audience is, you know what your business does, but you need more clients getting in the door. And so the first tip is to to focus one day of your week each week on client outreach and thoroughly sending client pitches out to people. This is the this is the thing I know that client service based business owners like especially you designers out there who are just not like sales minded by nature because I know you're one of those people that you're not sure. sales minded by nature. You, which is very different than naughty by nature, sales minded by nature, very different music. Um, you, your brand could not allow you to let move it go. on. Couldn't, let, couldn't it go. let it go. Had to share it. You have to turn your brain into sales mode at some point. You have to. And you have to give yourself permission to go into sales mode. And and the way that I loved doing this when I was running this design company was one day a week, I was in that mode. Like yes. I got up, I got out of bed, I flipped open the laptop and I said, today I'm in client sales mode. I'm not opening a design program. I'm not working on any client work. I have got to pitch some clients because if I don't, in two months, like I may have clients right now, but in two months, we don't have any clients. Like our client runway is done. What are we going to do in two months? Yep. And the problem, and I see this so often, and I just wish that I could sit down with some people that I see doing this. They're overloaded with client work right now. Like they have enough, 
But what they don't see is in two months, they're out of client work and they're not spending any time to carve out pitching people moving forward now. Absolutely. So just tactically speaking, get a notion, get a Google sheet, get some type of database where you're tracking people that you find. I don't care if you're looking on Instagram or you're finding them through LinkedIn or yep. friends of friends, really do the time to research and identify whoever your client, your target market, market is and try to say, okay, what's a way that I can reach this person? And don't just cold pitch them. Really try to deliver some value. Or like I remember when we were trying to really drum up Made Vibrant for a while. Thankfully, things picked up pretty quickly after that. But we were like, okay, restaurants yeah. in Jacksonville, Florida. This is when we were living in Jacksonville. I was like, restaurants have terrible websites. And it's like a restaurant is a perfect thing where a website is crucial. Because if someone can't quickly on mobile find your menu, find your hours, they're not going to go to your restaurant. So to drum up clients, we were like, okay, what if I just did a spec homepage, you know, once a week, every week moving forward. And I sent it, I emailed it to the restaurant and said, hey, I do websites. I already gave you an idea of what your new homepage could look like. Do you want to pay me X dollars to do this for yep. you? Like that's the type of scrappiness that you probably need to employ in the beginning of your business. And it might take doing a little bit of spec work. It might take, you know, trying to deliver value first. But if you really want to get your client roster full, that's a good tip for doing it. Um, I think it's episode 76. Let's see if I now want to challenge my brain to see if my brain, because you know how my brain. I can't believe your brain would, would remember, that. remember that. I think it's episode 76. Let's just, I'm scrolling back through. Let's just go I'm to 76. I'm going to be scared if it is. Uh, oh, it's not. It's okay, not. good, 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 good. Woo! Okay, so You're, the episode. He is human, folks. Yeah, He's I am human. human. Let's see if I even got one of the numbers right. Did we do a whole episode on this? Uh, yes, we did a whole episode on our foolproof plan to get more, more clients. clients. And now I can't find it quickly. I should have just searched within this, but now I'm just scrolling. Are so you in Notion or are you in something No, no, else? I'm in a podcasting app here. Uh, it is... Oh, now I can't find it at all. All right, we'll just go and search our uh, our podcast episodes and look for foolproof and you'll find it. Because now I want to keep moving on. We're going to be dragging this on. <laughs> I thought it was 76, but it's not. Anyway, that's an episode to go back if you want. We talk a full episode about that strategy of making these spec websites and like that type of thing. Definitely, which gets us into tip number two, which is to get creative with your client offers. And we want to, number one, the tip that I would give anyone, and we see this uh, mistake being made a lot, is you just put your services on your homepage and you just say, these are all the things I can do. So for example, if you do digital marketing for businesses, B2B businesses, and you go, I can do um, SEO, I can do content marketing. I can, and you just list all your yep. areas of expertise and you go, contact me to hire me and I'll come up with a custom proposal. Guess what? You're not making it easy on your client to pay you. Yeah. So we always recommend productizing your services. What we mean by that is package up your services into a very clear way of hiring you. So, hey, we do uh, SEO overhaul. Here's what's included. We do an SEO audit. We do content marketing for you of this many blog posts, blah, 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 blah. Like list out what the deliverables are within that package. You're gonna think that that is limiting your options. Guaranteed what people are gonna do is, hey, I'm interested in the SEO plan, but can I add on website design and blah, blah, blah? And you're gonna say, yeah, Absolutely. Here's my proposal for that. Yep. But the but because you started with the productized version of your services, it was able to latch in your potential client's brain and they knew how to move forward. Yep. It wasn't overwhelming to be like, well, I don't know what they can do for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is one of the 
most difficult things to wrap your head around, which is like, oh, I feel like I'm limiting my business if I'm just saying like, but this is the package that I offer. It's like, no, what you're showing people is this is the specific problem that you solve through your your service and your expertise. Then they know what they're paying you for. Yeah. As opposed to being like, well, but like, why would I pick you for SEO? But right. It's like, no, I'm helping an online course seller optimize their pages for better search results in their niche or whatever. Totally. And you're doing that through SEO and web design and other things, but it, the problem is more of the part of it that matters. Yeah, and we also want to encourage you to think outside the box when it comes to different ways to package up your skills. Yeah. So maybe you have a full design package, but that's a pretty hefty investment. Can you do like a homepage blitz where you just right. do someone's homepage and it only takes you a day? Can you do, I've seen a lot of people now offering these design days yep. where someone just hires you for a day to do any and all design work that you know has backed up for them. That's a really creative way to package your design services. Like really sit down and brainstorm what are these like smaller quicker offers that can get your cash flow up and give you more client touch points, can give you more experience, more pieces of collateral for your portfolio. Love it. Tip number three. All right, this is when, again, we're planting the seeds for the future with your audience. Yeah. You wanna write six to eight found what we call foundation articles that can bring you more email subscribers today and a year from now. Yeah. So you've set up the idea of an, an email newsletter or an email list. But now it's time to get some traffic coming to your website so that people are then signing up for your email newsletter automatically. You really want to invest time on publishing blog posts that are written, as we say, as an instruction manual for yes. the as solutions to the problems that your clients are looking for. Yeah, and, and so let's stick with our Canva example. Sure. So this person, uh, they're a lovely person. Uh, their name is Bianca. Bianca. And they're doing Canva designs for social media packages. They have a whole package social of Social like, media templates using Canva. I do a month uh, social media graphics. That's my design package, which Got we just it. talked about. You're all set up. And they're having success with that they're getting referrals with that like people are finding them and now they're going mm, you know what like i think in the future i might want to do a course about this because i don't want to always work with client work which we're going to get to i need to write some articles about this and what we'll see with some folks who get into the article writing is then they go how to be more productive in your business is an article they write and it's like okay i understand that you want to share how you become more productive maybe people have asked you about that but that's not going to help you grow this canva course business in the future you need to write eight to ten articles about how to use canva how i plan a month of social media content using canva how canva makes me more productive if you want to even go down sure. that road you know uh five unique ways to use canva templates the best canva templates for pinterest what to search inside a canva to find the best templates how to utilize Canva's new video feature. Great. Thank you. Uh, I don't even use Canva and I can think of these things, but that that is the point. So those are like the instruction manual, right? If you were to open up an instruction manual and learn how to use the thing, people are gonna be searching for those things, especially related to a product like Canva. Put on your hat, your customer hat. Yeah. And really, this is, people make fun of me, this is really how I do it. I put, I, I pretend like I'm an actress. Yeah, I'm Meryl okay. Streep. Oh, wow. And I am like, Are you I... sure you're not Meryl Streep? I'm Meryl Streep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Meryl's Streep. Streep. Oh, interesting. It's changing more. Do you have another one you want to do? I, I, and I put myself, I embody my ideal audience and I'm yeah. like, okay, I am someone I'm and I really try to like get in my head into these all these pain points. I'm like I'm struggling to find social media content. I I don't have the time to design things. And then I'm like put, pretend like I'm about to type on my keys. And I'm like, what am I going to type into Google? Yeah, I, that's literally what I do. Yeah, and that's how I come up with all my search 
yeah key terms and i think the 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 thing here is that when you're writing articles and and maybe you're someone who's listening to this and you're like oh but i've been writing articles for years like i have all these articles on my site what do i do with all those what you do is you just leave those alone yeah unless they're super applicable to what you want to be transitioning your client business into a product business which is what we're about to get into leave those articles alone they are not of any concern they're not bringing you any organic traffic now as it is and they're not even related to the thing you want to be doing so write the new articles make them the instruction manual content make them really helpful and make sure that there is a clear call out to your email newsletter on the articles yes whether it's an exit intent pop-up whether you know don't don't cover your whole website yeah. in pop-ups but like make sure there's a clear opt-in yeah feel free to go to wanderingaimfully.com checklist if you want to see how we pepper in little things to get people to jump on our email list in an article that's like one of our main instruction manual articles for our site, wanderinginfo.com slash checklist. Great. And the important part there is to know you are not going to get traffic right away. Yeah. You are planting seeds that you are not going to see bear fruit for a year from now, but I'm guaranteeing you a year from now, you will have wished that today that you published Absolutely. an article. So always remember that, that your future self is going to be grateful you spent that time. And done is better than perfect on these articles. Yes. We tweak articles every six to 12 months. We look back and go, wow, that was really crappy. But at least that article got going. Yeah. And now it's starting to get a little bit of traffic. Well, now we can make a couple improvements and at least it was done and it's Google's already seeing it and bring it up for people. Yep. All right. Moving on from the $3,000 a month level to the $5,000 a right. month level. What are we doing at this step to really boost that revenue? First thing is you are going to now come up. This is like really the transition period. You've you've now gotten to the place where you've gotten plenty of clients. You have a repeatable system. You know who your tar target audience is. But you are probably getting to the place where $3,000 a month you're sort of maxed out on the amount of time that you can spend. And clients. You, like, and you clients. can't even really take, like you have the good thing where you're like, okay, I have like three or five clients I'm working with right now. Yeah. I, I just don't have the hours in the day to be working with any more clients. Like how do I make more money? That's yep. the problem we see all the time. So now it's time to really move to that one-to-many scalable online course or digital product asset. And the first thing you're gonna do is to come up with and validate your product idea. What's Bianca gonna do? Bianca yes. is going to say to herself, okay, I have this idea for this, how to, you know, do your social media content in Canva course. Yeah. And I need to know if there's demand for this. So actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to include a small call out about this course idea in these blog posts that have traffic because now they're, yep. they have traffic coming to them. And I'm going to say, hey, are you interested in this course? Put your email email in and I will let you know. I'll put you on the wait list for this course. Yeah. She's just going to see what the yeah, I demand love, is. I love, I've seen this on Instagram so many times. This is not my idea. This is other people's ideas. What are you doing here with this loud can? You're really bumming me out with this thing here. You like sometimes move your mic away and then you sometimes don't. I really don't like it. I'm really upset with you. You want me to be de dehydrated? Yes, Meryl <laughs> Street, I do. Okay, so one thing you can do is on Instagram, use the question sticker on a mm -hmm. story and say, drop your email in here if you would like to know when I launch this course or if you're interested in this course. And that's just a really easy way for someone to like, kind of like pay with their email without actually having to do anything. But then you don't have to ask them to go anywhere, especially for those of us who don't have over 10,000 followers where you can do the swipe up or the link sticker or whatever. You just do the questions box, say, would you be interested in this, like how to get your social media content set up on Canva course I'm thinking about mm -hmm. building? 
here's a question sticker. Drop your email if you're interested. Also, though, you know, you're not going to get a tons and tons no, of people but, from that. But yeah. what you are going to get is a couple of people who are interested. Then from there, you can even start conversations in the DMs about, hey, I'd really love to help you, you know, for you to help me mold this course content. Yeah. What are some of your sticking points with Canva? What are yeah. some of your sticking points? With so now they're giving you ideas about totally. what to include in the course content. They're interested. From there, I would move it to a more like you want to go through the validation process, almost like shoring things up firmer and firmer as you go. So at the beginning, it's just an idea. You toss Let's it out firm there. Up that mattress. Firm up that mattress. Yeah. On social media, you ask people. Then you're like, okay, there's a little bit of demand. You're feeling it. So then you do just a landing page. Yes. You And doing the landing page is going to help you think through some core things. What problems do people have that this course is solving? What are the benefits of the course? How can I communicate that on a sales page? And again, it's just a sign-up page at this point. It's not a sales page. It's a pre-launch page. You do the whole page and you say, hey, I this is coming in the fall of 2021 or whatever year yeah. it is. And then you start promoting that. Yeah. Now, that's when you really start to see some validation some validation because yeah. people are having to go to a place put in their email address if they're really excited their about hand. it and they're showing you they're excited about it, they'll have interest i had a question for you jason what if you're the type of person who gets kind of frozen at creating a page like a sign up page <laughs> if you're that person yeah inside of our sponsor's product way unlimited oh. we have created a new resource we they have created a new resource <laughs> called the page layout library yeah. so we actually added to way unlimited a new product this time around for this exact purpose and it comes with 10 different page layouts for different website pages you might need to spin up these aren't designs these are static layouts but it comes with copywriting prompts and everything so that if that's something that holds you back, a pre-launch page, you have a layout that immediately you know exactly what to put on the page and what to write. Yeah. So. Uh, that was a good mid-roll ad. We Great mid-roll ad. Yeah. So you're Great. Gonna, so that's the product validation. So you're going to validate this idea for this course. Now, once you have kind of validated your digital product idea, then it's time to actually build it and make it available for purchase. We have programs inside Wayman Limited to help you do that. But the tricky part at this stage that is going to be crucial in your ability to get to that $5,000 a month mark is balancing both because yes. you're going to still have client work, but you're going to need to work on your scalable product at the same time. This is where being really good at your scheduling and your time blocking yep. is going to be the key is we don't have time blocking as a no, tip but it's here, kind of but like it's really yeah. important. It's basically like the tip that we gave you about carving out one day of your week to work on the client pitches. Now you're going to carve out wherever you can, whether it's a day or a block of time in a day to start building this digital product and yep. to start building the first version of it. That is, again, just like your articles done is better than perfect. You can always digital products. That is what is so wonderful about them. It's not like you're writing a traditionally published book where that thing is going to get made, printed, and it's not going to be able to be updated very easily when you're printing 5000 copies of it. A, an online course, you can go into the platform and you can tweak a bunch of lessons or throw a bunch in draft or add a bunch later on. It's really easy to tweak these different products. So we would, you know, f we've made many of these 30, 40 online courses by this point. We always start with just the, the simplest, best version. And then we let ourselves and give ourselves permission to go. We know there could be more added to this, but it's good enough for now to get started. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the last part is just to create a this month. last tip. Last tip. To create a monthly promotion schedule for your digital product. So how 
now are you going to release this product? Um, you know, in the beginning, you're probably not going to do what we did, which, you know, right now for Wayman Limited, we have two enrollment periods that are open and closed each year. If for you, if you are moving to a digital product, that's going to be not enough time for you to do these little launches and promote your digital product and figure out what works. Right. So maybe you want to move to a more monthly model where you do one live workshop every month on a topic, you know, that's inside of the course content. And then you tell people and kind of pitch your course at the end. Well, yeah. Um, I was going to say to Bianca listening to this yes. with your Canva course, yeah. you've gotten validation. You have created the first best version of your course on Tea Tree. Thank you so much for using Tea Tree. We really appreciate it, which included. is included in William Unlimited. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you had this course and now you're, you're going, well, but what's the price? You know, I don't know. Like it could be worth $300. It could be worth $50. Like I don't know. Uh, well, start with the price. Yes. And for a couple months, promote it at that price. If you were getting absolutely zero sales, maybe it's priced too high. Also, wh- how is the actual course itself being promoted? What problem are you saying that you're solving? Test that a little bit, tweak that a little bit, be sending emails about that, posting stuff on social media, see what really resonates with people and really stands out. Those are the things you wanna test when you're in this kind of like monthly promotion strategy as well so that you can really find out, oh, my sweet spot with this course, 100 bucks, it's 30 days of social media content created in five hours or less, that is really nailing it for me. People are really resonating with that, that is a no-brainer for them to buy, awesome. Now I have that, I can promote that every month, but it took me probably six months to get to that point. Exactly. Which is okay. You just have to be prepared for that. Absolutely. And you have to have an experimenter's mindset. We talk about it a lot on this podcast, but it is your secret weapon. You have to be willing to try things and you have to be willing for those things to fail sometimes. Absolutely. And then you just move on and you go, well, that's one more way that that didn't work. Yeah, absolutely. Or something like we did with Wandering Aimfully back in 2018, 19, 2019, we had this little test drive where yes. it was just a, it was actually a teachery course that you could sign into and all the lessons were just little videos that I recorded of different parts of Wandering Aimfully and you could see the different parts and kind of like get an idea of it. It worked really well for like two months and then it just stopped working completely. And what I had to do was just go, oh, okay, that served its purpose. And people who were on the fence saw this, then converted. But anybody else, anybody else, that's not enough for them. That's just one piece of the puzzle now. I need to move on to the next thing. Yeah. All right. We're making the jump from five. Now we're going from five to ten. Yeah. Okay. Five to $10,000 a month. So. Now you are starting to see a little bit of traction with your digital product. Maybe job, maybe you're even down to just one client a month and you're ready Great to job, just Bianca. go fully into scalable She's products. She's just working with Meryl Street. That's her only client. That's her only client. So the biggest thing that helped us at this time frame was honing our product messaging. So like even getting super dialed in on the problem that our product solves and why someone should care. Yeah, and that's Um, exactly what I just talked about of like once you go through those experiments, you will start to see more sales when you have really locked in. I'm helping you create a month of social media graphics in five hours or less using Canva. Yes. Like that is what I'm teaching you. That is what you are going to walk away from. And the more that people can go through your product and have that clear outcome, the more they can then go tell everybody this. Hey, do you need to create social media graphics? Bianca's course, hundred bucks. No brainer. Yeah. Also, she has an upsell of $500. Well, she'll create the graphics for you, like a set of 10 graphics or whatever. Grab that. I grabbed that as well. Like that was a great addition that she like threw in there later. Yeah. One of the biggest inflection points for us during our wandering aimfully journey was the point where we realized 
you know, early on, we were really focusing on the things inside of our coaching membership. Right. We were like, you get all these courses and you get like, it just, we really, the stuff. And we, and we thought that the value of all this stuff for this, you know, lower price than a lot of people were charging. We thought that would sell it by itself. We were not being clear about the problem. It wasn't until we like listened to our early beta testers and, and entrepreneurs and realized, the problem is that there's so many different ways that you can grow your business. There's so many different things to focus on that it's overwhelming. Yeah. Do I focus on podcasting? Do I focus on uh, social media? Do I need to get an Instagram reels? Do I need to do my articles? There's so many different ways you can go that people get stuck. Yeah. And so we thought, okay, we can solve that problem for people by giving them coaching on a topic every single month and really saying, hey, giving them permission to just focus in on one thing at a time. When we did that and we changed our entire sales page to really talk about that problem and solution, we saw the biggest jump in Wandering Aimfully's membership. Absolutely. And so at this point, if you already have a product idea and it is scalable, getting that messaging honed in is going to make your sales potentially grow absolutely and we've seen it happen and we can attest to the fact that it may seem like something that you're doing that's not going to attribute directly to or contribute directly to revenue increasing but it will yeah okay next tip so at this point we really think we would encourage you to now try to move to an open (sighs) open and closed launch model so maybe you like you've experimented you've done the the monthly promoting you've seen what kind of works you feel like pretty good about your messaging now it's time to really expand out that offer and do a bigger launch, maybe you know four times a year, two times a year, whatever feels good for you. And um, having those concentrated windows where you can really do some lead up promotion yep. and then you can really open the doors and close the doors like we're doing right now for Wham Unlimited, yep. it will, you will see more sales. Yeah, and I, I think that one of the best things that open and closed launches do is they put you in control of your business. Absolutely. They put you in control of your revenue. They put you in control of when you have to feel like you're in sales mode, which is so much more comfortable than feeling like you're always in that mode all the time. And and it, you know, it may be quarterly for you. It may not be twice a year, but whatever it is, go through the uh, kind of like ideation process of what would this look like if I just open and close the doors? And especially if you're a Bianca of the world and you're creating a course around the platform, platforms change. So you're going to have to update your content, right. which is fine. That's, the, you know, I, my know buddy Paul Jarvis had uh, the most popular course on MailChimp for years. And he just knew every year I have to re-record every single video of my course. And it's like 30 videos. And it's going to take me two weeks of work. But in doing so, your course is the most cutting edge up-to-date, helpful thing around the platform. You just know that going in. And so if you do an open and close launch, this gives you more time throughout the rest of the year to focus on making sure your product is really good, people are succeeding with your product, you're nurturing your customers as much as possible, and then you're also dabbling in other ideas or other things that can help bring in additional revenue later on. Yep. And then tip number three is to utilize effective partnerships. So at this point, you know you have a product, you know you have a core audience, you know what your niche is, and it's really time to think about identifying what collaborators also are kind of up and coming and have audiences that where there's an overlap in your audiences, but you don't mess with each other's toes. So one that immediately comes to mind is like, okay, if you're the social media graphics using Canva person. I'm sorry, Bianca? Bianca. Yeah. Maybe you see a similar person who's all about Instagram reels and that's yeah. their expertise and they, they're giving you the best tips for using that new feature to grow. And so 
they know that their audience is going to be interested in social media, but they don't talk about how to design graphics. So so they want to partner with you. And then you know that you're more about the graphics and less about the video and the reels and that strategy. So you want to partner with them. And you kind of can do a crossover. You could bundle your courses together. You could do, you know, uh, Instagram lives together. Just something in order to expose each other to your audiences. Yeah, and, and those partnerships are so great because almost at this point both of you are bringing some semblance of an audience to the table so you're both benefiting from each other's audience absolutely and uh, i'll just give a really quick story grant baldwin is a guy who is very well known for teaching people how to do public speaking and many years ago i had a course about getting sponsorships and so his whole thing was like well i actually have a lot of people who listen to me that run events Mm -hmm. because they know that public speakers are gonna learn but like there's not a lot of industry content on public speaking and events and whatnot and so he brought me on as a guest and he was like listen you're the guy who knows about sponsorships i just want you to talk about sponsorships in front of like all these public speakers and events and i was like all right like i don't know how great of a fit this is but sure i'm happy to share after being on that podcast i had like the biggest week of sales of my sponsorships course because the events that were listening to it even the public speakers who were listening to it were like well i know i want to run an event of my own in the future so this is just gonna be good for me to know this information right So it's really interesting for you to think about like kind of this visual idea of like the circles of your industries and business. Like for Bianca, she has kind of the people in the Canva world, right? But then like what's outside of the Canva world? Oh, well, there's a lot of people who use Canva that use Flowdesk. So like I could kind of dabble in that world as well. And so you start to build out these little circles of people and content and things. And then you build this whole list of potential partners that you can work with. And the key there is to make sure that you're reaching out to people, if it's not people you already know, who want to do partnership stuff. Right. Like, I got an email this morning for someone who wanted to be a guest on our podcast. <laughs> and they literally wrote, like, I love What Is It All For. I listen to your episodes. It's great that you guys talk about running a calm business. I would be such a good guest on your show to help talk about, like, some bullshit thing. <laughs> and I wrote back, because now I've gotten so many of these, I just don't care anymore, because clearly I, there's just copy and paste email. I was like, can you point me to an episode where we had a guest just so I can reference you being a good fit for our podcast? <laughs> You're such a dick. But it, you have to, that's like the one extra step that you do that means something to people. And Absolutely. It, it does go a long way for someone to be like, oh, you see that I do this. You see that it matters. You see that you can solve this problem in my industry. Absolutely. That's really funny. Yeah. I love when people do that. It's just the worst. We don't have guests. We, we don't have 101 guests. episodes. Never a guest. Not a single guest. <laughs> and would you would be the first one? You'd be the first one. Meryl Street is going to be the first one. Just on a side tangent. Yeah. I have this new software app that has contacted me three times. Once, Name twice. Name no, no, no. Shame twice em. on Instagram, once via my email. I have been so polite th- to them two times to say, kindly, I I do not have time for to do this. Yeah. And they contact, contacted me a third time. And I am uh, just about to go off. Pass it off on I'm me. I'm about to go off. Pass it off on me. I'm great at those. I'm just like I said, no. All right. We jump into the final leap All right. here. Moving on to the final leap, if you're still with us. $10,000 a month in revenue and above. Again, quick caveat. You do not need to make this much money in order for your business to be successful. Yeah. It okay? Also, yeah. That's not... We're, if it's you're all be- so arbitrary. Look, listen, if you're Bianca and you're also a mom and you run this business on the side and making $5,000 a month is like the perfect amount for you to be saving money, to be putting aside for things, to be paying down your debt. And just like, you have the right amount of time that you work, the right amount of time you can spend with your family, and it's just enough across the board, then you don't need these tips. Exactly. Or 
take these tips as take something the, you can do. Or take these broken wings. And learn to fly again. That's all we want you to do, Bianca, is fly. Just fly. Just fly, Bianca, fly. Please. In an American mattress, you know? No, but... God, an American these... mattress feels like a million years ago, doesn't it? Yeah, just the reason why these tips are the last tips in this Grow It Gradually series is because they're the last things that we did. These are not things that we would do early on because you kind of need everything else ahead of all of this for these to work. Yeah. And so these are the tips that a lot of people want that they're like, oh, I'm going to do these because it's going to take me to $10,000 a month in a business or, or more. But that's not the case. What it does is it takes you from 10,000 where you already are to then more because these are things you can add on at that point. Right. Just a caveat. So these tips will work for you at different stages, but we just want to make sure you are going through all the other things to get to this stage. Right. So the first one is to dial in your content strategy. So once you have all of the foundation pieces in place, this is where you really started to see us getting super consistent with podcasts, yeah. getting super consistent with, okay, now we're layering YouTube on top yeah. of that getting consistent on social, putting more effort and time into social. And it's because the foundation is in place. So yep. if we bring in more traffic and more people coming into our audience through those various touch points, we know that they're going to convert to yep. sales because our sales engine is already working. Does this, that make sense? This is the perfect example of like pouring gasoline on a fire. Yeah. Like we have this tiny little fire that we, are, we, we have built it's got a little crackle to it. It's a little bit warm. And we've just decided we just want to accelerate that fire a little bit. We want to just like boost it up a little bit. And so being more consistent through these other content channels, we know everything else is dialed in. Like our sales messaging is dialed in. The results that we can get for people through going through our unboring business roadmap is dialed in. Our Wayne Slack community is dialed in. It's such a great and supportive community. Like all these things will work. So if we pour a little bit more content to get a little bit more people to see things to then join, it will work. What you don't want to do is go, well, my course isn't quite finished. I haven't really gotten anybody to go through it. Um, Let me start a podcast. Yeah, I think I should start a podcast so I can start getting like, more people well, on my email list. You're spending all your time now on this other channel yeah. that you don't even know is going to bring you sales because you're pouring gas on a fire that's not lit. Exactly. And then you're taking time away from time that you could spend actually shoring up your product, which yeah. is the reason that the fire's not lit. <laughs> Great. All right. That's the first tip. So second tip is to create it potentially an affiliate program for your product. Do not do this until your product has been selling for, I would say at a minimum a year. Do you think that's fair? Yeah. And I think our big thing about affiliates is that we never wanted to do it because it was an easy cash grab. Right. We wanted to do it because our existing customers were wanting to promote Wandering Aimfully and we're promoting Wandering Aimfully already to have their friends join. And we wanted to reward them for that effort. It, it wasn't because like, oh, we can make 10,000 extra dollars a month if we get an affiliate program. It was, we have all these amazing members who are already pr promoting Wayne. We would love to give them credit for that financially. 100%. Like that feels good to us. And so it's not just about, can we get, you know, a bunch more money through affiliates? It's, can we reward our existing members? And then that strengthens the community because we know that they're focused on bringing people who are going to be a good fit. Yep. And the people that they're bringing in are already connected to them. And so there is that those binding community ties yeah. already. I mean, one of my favorite things, uh, if you're a Waymer, you see this happen in our Introduce Yourself channel in Slack. Someone will join and then in the comments, you'll be like, oh yeah, like my friend is here from so-and-so place and like, oh, like I've seen you and like this. And it's just like the connections are already there. Right. Which just makes the entire community better than if you just ran like a business off of affiliates and no one had any connections. It was just trying to get more cash in the door. 
all these people be coming in from all these different places and be like, who is, who are all these people? Like, yeah. are we even all like connected in any way whatsoever? Or is it just like a bunch of people with a bunch of, you know, email lists pushed people into this group? The last thing I want to say about affiliates is when we decided we were go- like the reason we actually took, you know, quite a bit of time to launch our affiliate program is because I really had this idea in my head of it needs to be perfect. Like it needs yeah. to be, I saw the Marie Forleo's of the world who yeah. have these like incredibly robust affiliate programs when they open when Marie Folio opens b-school it's like b-school takes over the internet yeah. and like I see a million affiliates and it's not like I wanted to be like that I, it's just that I thought oh well that's the way a professional does it right. and with anything that we do we want to always be operating at that professional high quality level right finally you were like Caroline first of all we don't have to do it the way everyone else does it yeah we're us not them secondly we're never going to know how to make our affiliate program better if we don't start our affiliate program. Absolutely. Third, people are already promoting this and they're not getting paid for it. So like we got to get it up and running. I was yeah. like, okay. So um, I'm really glad that I let that perfectionism go and we just got it started. And over time, I think we've done three launches with affiliates this now. This is our third one, yeah. And now we know like, okay, we want to give them creative assets so they can use them. We want to show them way. Like I already have three ideas for things I want to add for next launch of ways to help our affiliates. Yeah. So like, but I don't, you don't know that until you start it. Also just like a super tactical in the weeds thing here. So we use Restrict Content Pro. That's how people buy our membership through our WordPress website. That's what Wandering Amplies built on. They have a a sister company called Affiliate WP, which is a plugin that like they connect the two. So that's like the nuts and bolts of it, right? But what an affiliate actually gets from us are three Google Docs, just Google Docs. Yep. That's all they are. One's a launch plan that has like a bunch of stuff in it about like, here's everything we want on Gamefully, here's all the stuff, here's some pre-written emails, some prompts for you to fill out, our brand assets, which is a link to a folder of a bunch of different images in different sizes, along with some other assets. And the third one's an FAQ doc. Yep. Those three documents, that's it. That is our affiliate stuff behind the scenes. Like it is not fancy. We don't have this whole interface set up. Like it's just a very basic affiliate system. And it works. It works so well. Our last launch, our spring launch, I think it was like 70% of our waymers or 60% of our waymers came from affiliates. Yep. Not a single person complained and said, your affiliate like setup is not good enough for me to promote. They just promoted it. They got the link. That's the most important thing. Their link that they could send and it worked. Yep. Moving on. Final tip. Final tip. Final, final tip. Final, final tip. Amplify the marketing bridges that are already working. Yeah, this is one that you have to be at this stage in business to have a clear understanding of what are the things that are working so that you can do more of that thing. Right. Because so often, and for many of you listening, I'm just going to make an assumption that you don't know which thing is working. You don't know if it's your podcast. You don't know if it's your YouTube channel. You don't know if, you know, you don't know what that thing is. You don't know if it's a quiz on your website. Like you just aren't sure. That's why you have to keep doing all these things until you see one of those just rise a little bit above the rest. Then you want to try and amplify that thing more. And for us, I would say that's mostly our quiz. Yeah, I was just thinking literally in the shower the other day. I mean, we are making our enough number of revenue now, which is why we're not amplifying things that much. But I was like, one easy, easy thing for us would be to 
just experiment with replacing some of our email signups in our blog posts. Yeah, with, with the quiz. All with the quiz callouts. Yeah. So of course we have the welcome mat, but I think once people get past that and they get to the meat of the content, just right. going straight up to the quiz would be an interesting experiment. Yeah. So that's something where, or if, or if our revenue dipped and we wanted to try something, we would or try Or like every month or two weeks, like feature our quiz in Instagram. Yeah. Like have a call out to it. Like on this podcast, we have never talked about our quiz. Like we could do a pre-roll ad, quote unquote, for our quiz. Like go take our quiz. Learn, exactly. You know, you know, like all these ideas. On YouTube, we could do the same thing. Like that is the thing for us. Like if the quiz is the thing we know that brings the most qualified people to our email list, we would amplify that. So that would be our example. So for you listening to this, uh, maybe it's your podcast. Like maybe you know that if I can get more listeners to my podcast, those people, they buy my stuff. Like yep. I know they do. Or if I can get it to my YouTube channel. So then you go, okay, how do I get more people to that channel? I'm going to make it my goal in the next month to be featured on four different podcasts. Exactly. I'm going to draw some of their listenership over to my podcast. Exactly. So now you see what you're, what we're doing is once you identify what the single marketing tactic is that's working, yep. you can brainstorm very specific ways to amplify that then what you do is you get them to sign up two friends then their friends so then sign if, up those four friends and then you get those four friends now <laughs> you're getting to have the opportunity to buy the bmw congratulations <laughs> you can buy the bmw you get the watch with the wayne logo encrusted in jewels really yeah in encrusted jewels yeah they're crusty jewels. <laughs> They're crunchy like your college sheets. All right. Those are our tips through Grew Up Gradually. Tips. Uh, if you really were listening to this episode. This like, a lot. The edge of your seat and you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I like had this somewhere. And you're thinking about joining Wayne. You don't have to if it's not within your uh, financial Definitely situation. Definitely don't if it's not within your financial situation. But if means. you're like. I'm growing my, my biz. I'm at one of these steps. I feel like I can definitely afford $100 a month for Wayne. We have Grow It Gradually as a course within Tea Tree. So you can go back through all of these things and mark them as completed, have them for reference. There's even a little accountability group happening in our way in Slack of people going through it together. So it's just like one other, this is like mid, mid roll. You're saying if you're, you're saying that's available to you inside of Wayman Limited. If you want to join Wayman Unlimited, this like one other thing yes. to like, oh, I can get the Grow It Gradually course and like have all that content. That would be awesome. I would love that. Yeah. yeah and also that. I want to reiterate the Unborn Business Roadmap, the way that we set it up is it's sequential. So if you're like, well, these are all really good tips but I don't know exactly which one I should focus on. That's what the Unboring Business yeah. Roadmap is for. You just follow the prompts until you get to a dead end that yeah. says like, oh, I don't have six to eight foundation articles. And then you just do that. All right. Enough of this hard selling. Ew. Let's talk about movies. Movies. All right. So uh, interestingly enough, folks, we are at the place where we're actually a little bit ahead of the movie watching to the movie talking about. So, so we have to. What, what I want to do is I want to talk about our two movies, but then I also want to give them the next two <gasps> so that they could potentially watch them before we talk about them next time. I want to start doing that. Okay. Okay. What if we change it up? I, we, I don't like it. We, this is locking me in. This is locking me in. I don't like it. Hey. Nope. No, 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 no. Hey. This is like a top sheet. <laughs> My feet are bended. Hey. I don't like it. Do you remember how much you love the top sheet now? Uh-uh. Try it out. You didn't hear what I said. You try that top sheet. I did sheet. not say I love the top you sheet now. You slip into that hey, top sheet. Hey, stop it. And you try it Hey, slippery it funnels, <laughs> stop it. 
Is that the video that went up last week or is that the one that's going up this week? It's going up on this Wednesday. So when this podcast this, episode's out, it will already be up. That'll make sense if you watched our YouTube video this week, the unsexy business device Also, video. you guys just got a real glimpse into our content calendar and our brains were like, okay, yeah, we're recording this? this now. What's when is anyway. All right, we'll talk about two movies. Let's talk about the movies that we watched at some point and we wanted to share. Okay. Those movies are... The first movie we watched was Fast 9. Fast 9. Those of you who have been listening for a long time will know that we went on a real we fast... We went back. We went all the way to the beginning yeah. of the Fast series. Yeah. This was not like in preparation for Fast 9. This was like quarantine. We like started watching them all. Yeah, we... We're fast, big fans. We went Fast and Furious. We went Too Fast, Too Furious. I we also, went Tokyo Drift. What we I, went The Fast and Furious. Then we went Fast 5. You know, we, we made all... I think we stopped at 6. We yeah, didn't I think we didn't watch... watch seven no, I think we did. We did not watch 7 Okay, and well, eight. we can rewatch 7 and 8. Okay. But the thing I love about the Fast and Furious franchise is they've really explored all corners of this genre, okay? If you go back into the very beginning, like, I think of Fast 2, which I love, Fast and Furious Please 2. Please call it The Fast name. and the Furious. False. What Absolutely is it? not. That's Fast 4, and I'm very upset right now. What's 2? I'm very upset. Too Fast, Too Furious. It is the phrase we say all the time okay. in our household. <laughs> Calm down. It is Too Fast. That's when Tyrese hey, makes I know. his triumphant. Well, I, let me get there. Okay. So it's Tyrese and Paul Walker. <laughs> yes. And Tyrese, to and me. And Ludacris. He's in fast, the, the Fast and Furious? What does it do? <laughs> <laughs> guys okay okay, gals, okay, okay, okay. people god let me just say my words and no, stop trying to make you, me say the right things no 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 you are allowed to say all your words i love your words so much but the ones that are incorrect i'm gonna correct you especially if it's about too well fast. i'm just trying to get my thought out and there's so many god damn like <laughs> names of these movies yes there are yes there okay. are okay go ahead I'm so sweaty. <laughs> too fast, too furious. That was more of like a buddy comedy. It absolutely was. Where it's the two of them and they're trying to whatever. Yeah. Okay, then there's one that's like very Ocean's Eleven heist movie. I think this is Fast I Five. I think that's Fast Four actually is where we start to get heist. This is a what bit. you need to just not correct me because this is where you're interrupting my thought with all the okay, various. Go ahead. Okay? It gets heisty after three. It Let's gets, just say that. It gets heisty. And then that's sort of what they do for a while. Okay, now Fast Nine. Let's yes. get to the actual movie we watched. They, I truly believe they sat around a table and they thought, Marvel movie, but... Cars. Cars. <laughs> and then they thought, everything we've done up until this point, we have to amp it. You want? Let's amp it to 14. You know what else they said? They said, The Rock, but he's not coming back. Right. Who else? Right. Like, that's literally what they did. So they're like, oh, John Cena. John Cena. John Cena. Sure. Yeah, he'll do it. And he kind of looks like Vin Diesel, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're straight up brothers. We're halfway through the movie. I turned to Jason. I'm like, so are we saying they're half brothers? And you were like, no, no, no. They're brothers. No, you know what they are? What? Family. Family. <laughs> anyway, this movie, okay, they cranked it up to 14. Yeah. Well, here's the funny thing. The, first, they cranked it up to 11. Yeah. Like, we were watching. In the beginning, the first scene, we're like, we're like whoa. Oh, yeah. They took it to 11. Like, just getting started. They're like, cars are jumping into Things each are, other. Remember the bungee cord? We're swinging the, the car suspension off bridge. the bridge. Yeah. And then, like, There's oh, bombs going here's off. Here's how I can do this. I just, like, turn my and tire. And so we're like, wow, and, they really yeah, cranked it up. To 11. And then, then they went it goes higher. To space. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert space uh, um and so i can't decide how i feel about this movie because on the one hand i respect the the utter ridiculousness of cranking it up to 14 here's the other thing the when other you've, part when you've of me done nine movies yeah. in a series yeah where else do you have to go like only up 
Literally, I know. But then, the, but then the other part of me is like, they're kind of like ruining the heart of these movies by just making them spectacles that are so beyond believable. But then I'm like, but I enter- I'm entertained. Yeah. It's a really interesting conundrum because you watch a movie like Fast 9 and having just watched Fast and Furious and Too Fast, Too Furious, it's like they're very different movies. So different. Number one, the budgets are like a tenth of each other. But you you, th- you compare those two movies and you're like, well, that how did the first movie make like 200 million or 100 million and the second movie made like 250 million? And you're like, that's so much money. And then this one made $700 million. Yeah. Like, it's going to go over a billion dollars in like the first three months of its release or whatever. I guess because they cranked it up to 14. Because they cranked it up to 14. And you know what? I think this is just what people want. Like, they now just want to see, like, where is Vin Diesel and his family? Where are they going to go? They really did. Also, I mean, I give them credit for kind of playing up on the superhero thing. Because remember... Tyrese's whole yeah, thing about were, like we're invincible yeah, yeah. and so they kind of like they're turning it into a superhero franchise and I on a strategic level I respect them because it's like okay I see what you're doing here yeah but again you know I miss a little bit of the old days but if you want the old days go back and watch the old movies yeah for sure and I was have, it an enjoyable movie yes yeah what did we rate it on the Rotten Potatoes I don't scale? know you don't have it here What's your remembrance of the Rotten Potatoes? We always do it. Do this you want way me to too. go back to Rotten Potatoes? Oh, you don't have to go. You can just give me your score based on what you think. We've started to keep this now in Notion. Uh, Chevelli, I believe you're listening. She's one of our awesome whamers who we talk about movies. We are eventually going to make this Notion database public. Uh, probably after this launch, I'm going to try and see if I can sequester some time from Caroline and we can make this public. And then we can I mean, tell you where to go to. It wouldn't t- be hard to make it public. It's just it's not very up to date. No, so, I know. I just, yeah. Okay. So we did not write down our things. <laughs> <laughs> you spent all that we time. We wrote it down what we watched. We did not write down anything about our thoughts. Okay. What do you want to give it in your remembrance of it? I will give it a 7. 0.5. An 8. I'll give it an 8. <laughs> <laughs> that was a real journey. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it an 8. I'm going to give it an 8.5. The, the dialogue was dumb. You know what? It always is. But just watching that movie, at no point in that movie and I'm am I like, I'm not entertained right now. I'm entertained True. the entire time. Even if it's over the top, I'm still entertained. So over the top. Like they're in space and I'm just like, I'm entertained. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Tons of plot holes. But I'm Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Does, Does not matter. matter. All right. So Fast Nine, give it a watch if you want to watch it. Okay. Second movie. Second movie is a movie I had never heard of before. Yes. And you said let's watch it so i started listening to the smart list podcast our good friend jen told me about this podcast and i had never heard of it so uh jason bateman uh, will arnett will arnett and sean, sean hayes. hayes have this podcast and i'm gonna say it it's a giggle fest sean hayes will arnett and jason bateman have this podcast because yes. sean does not get the credit he does he not get the credit he, and he's the one that keeps he's the glue yeah so the f- uh, the first episode i listened to was Maya rudolph because yes. i love maya anything maya does is just fantastic amazing. she mentioned in that episode, one of her favorite movies she ever worked on that she just had the most fun with was this movie called Away We Go, right? It's, yes. That's what it's called. Um, because they put Away We in throughout it, so it messed with my brain. And she was like, I just had so much fun. John Krasinski. Yes. So I want to call him Tom Krasinski every time. <laughs> John, John Krasinski. John Krasinski. And Myron. just the two of them. And it's just like this journey for them that they're going on. And she just talked about it in this episode of it was so fun they just laughed the entire time they made it, like all the people they got to work with, and we had never heard of it. Never heard of it. This is a 10 out of 10 Caroline movie. This She's giving you the rating before we're at the rating. This ratings. is a 10 out of 10 for yeah. me. Like, like, You know who else it's a 10 out of 10 for? Who? Any other Enneagram 4. It's an Enneagram 4 movie, yeah. for sure. Um, a couple things that I do want to say. It's 
definitely got some dark moments in it. It's yes. a, it's like it's like a it's one of those independent movies that you doesn't really sit squarely in a genre. Yeah. Um. It does have some dark moments to it. There is some. I'll just tell you the the premise of the movie. I mean, it's the premise of the movie, so it doesn't ruin yeah, it, right? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. I think if anybody's listening to the movie parts of this, they're like, uh, they're going to say a couple things, and it might, like, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I... Okay, whatever. so Maya Rudolph is six months pregnant yeah. with John Krasinski's baby, and they are trying to find a forever home yeah. to, like, put down roots and raise this baby because their parents are, like, moving to, like, Belgium or something, yeah. and so they don't need to stay there anymore because they thought the parents were going to help with the baby, but they're moving. So now they're trying to decide where do we go. Do we go to Tucson, Arizona? Do right. we go to and Miami? Right, and so the whole – I just love the whole premise of the movie is them going to different locations to, like, stay with her sister or stay with an old college friend or yeah. stay with these people and to, like – try on this place and these people for size and yep. see if that's where they want to stay forever. And it over the course of the journey, they find out what they don't want as yep. much as what, what they do want. And they, you know, that's kind of the journey of it. I just think it hit me at this moment where we're about to like leave home. Yep. We, we're not going to have roots anymore. You know, obviously I'm not pregnant, but like kids are in our near future. And I know that that's going to be a big part of their next couple of years is like, where do we want to settle down and raise them? Tucson, Miami. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, so it's just hitting me at this like point in our lives. And then also the story is very much about them finding home in each other. Yeah. Which my Enneagram 4 heart was just, just like. really loved. Now there and are, then it's just, there are parts of it that are just hysterical. Yeah. There are two kind of like trigger warning things yes, in there. Yes. So there is a trigger warning for um pregnancy loss yeah i would say and then oh in the beginning there's i would also say some very triggering language for our lgbtq plus friends yeah as well as like trigger warning for abusive parents yeah like verbally abusive parents like there's this character played by allison janney who is supposed to be you're supposed to hate her yeah she, but she just says it's very the, it's aggravating 10 years ago like like oh, homophobic we, stuff like it just like keeps going yeah and, and, like, and we're sort of like yeah. was that necessary but um so if i just do want to give those content warnings yeah. for people overall i think the movie if you're someone who likes dark comedy and you know that those things come up in dark comedy and you can kind of like get through them you either knowing, fast forward or, knowing that the movie does not condone that behavior yeah. knowing that it's presented to you in a way that as the viewer you are supposed to be like this is not okay yeah um then i think that's also helpful to know but it just this movie, it like touched this line of funny, yeah, but poignant, but sad, but joyful, but like the beautiful mixture of life. And if you're an Enneagram four, I just think and Maya Rudolph and John Krasinski are so good together. Yeah, I also think if you want to have a look into what our relationship is like, it's similar in so many ways. It felt so yeah. Yeah, it felt like such a kindred spirit to our relationship. Not to say that we're even as close to as funny as they no are or as charming. We think we are. But just like there are some moments where we were just we were like, that's us. That's like, us. That's very yeah. similar yeah. to us. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, those are our two movies. Fast 9 and Away We Go. Again, we really try and watch two movies no one has ever, ever. watched back to back. We, I feel confident about that. <laughs> like Do iTunes, you? iTunes watches, I don't know it's iTunes, Apple TV watches our movie watching history and they're like, wait, what? They don't know what ad bucket to put us in because they really they're don't. just like, what are you? You, They're like, here, you know what? Charmin. A 32-year-old no, woman who's just, about to be pregnant? Just Charmin. Or are you a 25-year-old man who likes to drag race yeah. on the weekends? I don't yeah. understand. Drag race on the weekends. Oh, only on weekends. Yeah. Only on the weekends. What are you drag racing? A golf cart. Golf cart drag racing. 
Meryl Streep's golf cart drag racing. <laughs> That's her business? Great. <laughs>